Welcome to the C-Store Decisions Live podcast. I'm Frank Beard. And I'm Erin Del Conte. Join us as we take a look at the trends impacting today's fuel and convenience retailing industry. But first, a word from our sponsor. Are your on-site managers losing hours every week to time-consuming workforce scheduling? Are your locations understaffed during busy periods? Are your associates calling out or quitting over scheduling issues? With AI-powered workforce management and employee self-service, Reflexus Workforce Scheduler eliminates inefficiencies in labor, budgeting, forecasting, and scheduling, simplifying your labor operations and unleashing the power of your on-site associates. To learn more, contact Reflexus Systems, now part of Zebra Technologies. You can also find them online at reflexusinc.com. That's R-E-F-L-E-X-I-S-I-N-C.com. So before we dive into the topic of this podcast, we thought we'd take a look at some of the things that we're reading this week. Aaron, what's on your radar? Well, I thought the the biggest news of the week that caught my attention was that Bucky's had entered the Kentucky market. Um, so, you know, now they're doing this. They originally were only in Texas. Now they're doing this multi-state expansion across the South. So, you know, they already opened locations in Florida, Georgia, Alabama. And so they they just announced that they are breaking ground on a new travel center in Richmond, Kentucky on April 13th. Um, and it's going to be their first travel center in the state of Kentucky. Um, and they're also going to be opening their first travel center in South Carolina, which is currently under construction. And that is slated to open in 2022. Um, you know, Bucky's, they have like 38 locations in Texas. Um, I got to go to one for the first time a couple of years ago when we were out in Texas uh, for a, for a trade show. And have you, have you ever been to a, I'm assuming you have, have you ever been to a Bucky's, Frank? Oh, man. Yeah. Well, what you can't see on my camera here uh, is I've got a disturbing amount of Bucky's merchandise around this room. <laughs> I've got I've got cups. Uh, my my coasters are Bucky's logos. Um, I think my wife's got the pajamas. I've got the pajamas. I'll be honest. Um, I can't get out of that store for under 150 bucks. It's, um, it's compared to like the Disney <laughs> world of convenience stores. And, you know, you, you don't even believe that until you're there and you're just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Bucky's is a retail theme park. Um, you know, it was funny because I, I shared that article on Twitter and a friend of mine said something about it's It's interesting to see in, you know, Japan and some other countries how the trend is going towards smaller stores and, you know, really optimized uh, SKUs and whatnot. And I said, well, I mean, Bucky's is, well... It's Bucky's. They go big or they go home. It's right, uh, <laughs> like, for, for example, you know, for our listeners, the one in Richmond that they're going to open, it said it's going to occupy more than 53,300 square feet, and it's going to have approximately 120 fueling positions outside the store. Uh, so that is that is huge. You know, this is interesting, though, because they're they're really expanding out of state and it's all of a sudden they just bam stores in this state stores in this state stores in this one um it's interesting as talking to a reporter once uh from a regional newspaper and after we got done talking about the convenience store industry he goes hey i'm gonna tell you something i won't say what brand this is but a very notable retailer was about to uh launch some stores in the area and when they heard bucky's was moving they canceled the real estate deal yeah I, I believe it. I mean, it, it's such an experience if you have if you have the option to go to two stores and one of them is Bucky's. I mean, you're going to want to go to Bucky's. They have, you know, for people who haven't been there, you know, they've they've got like their their big Texas barbecue section. They've got a homemade fudge bar. 
um, all their Bucky's merchandise. They've got a whole wall of, of meat snacks, of, of Bucky's uh, proprietary jerky. And you head back in the store and they have all this merchandise and, and homewares and anything you can think of. It, it seems like they have it at this convenience store. Yeah, those guys over there, are the I mean, they're they're the best at what they do. They 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 execute so well. And, you know, the thing is, like, people are always like, oh, well, it's a big store and they can do a lot of these things. Yeah, but the thing is, they maintain quality consistently in that big of a store. They, I mean, you you go to the one in New Braunfels. I mean, I think it's over a decade old at this point. It looks brand new. That store is so well maintained. And, uh, yeah, they just make it fun. Like, I've stood and watched people walk into Bucky's and they walk in in groups and they say, and they look around and they say things like, we're here, we're here. And it's <laughs> yeah, the funniest. It's a destination. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. But yeah, I, I mean, I saw the Kentucky news and I'm like, man, can they just bring one up here to Iowa? I mean, they're t- I live off of Interstate 35, so they're technically down the street for me. The problem is they're down the street in Texas. It's a, it's a bit of a drive, unfortunately, and um, mm-hmm. I need to get to a Bucky soon. Well, I so, hope that they decide to come to Illinois because I'm based in the Chicagoland <laughs> area. So if, if Bucky's is listening, Illinois, you got to you gotta come here. Yeah, yeah. If you guys need some uh, tips on real estate in Des Moines, let me know because I'll, 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 <laughs> we'll find the location closest to where I live um, so I don't yeah. have to drive very far to go to your store. But maybe you there shouldn't you come here because I'll go broke uh, <laughs> buying, buying beaver merchandise. But mm-hmm. so – you know, so what are what are you seeing uh, in the news this week, Frank? You know, something that's been on my radar and part of it is this week and part of it came out uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, but I think it's worth bringing up is so um, I like reading a lot of stuff that Matt Newberg puts out and he's really plugged into like the ghost kitchen scene and the delivery scene. And he put out this thing a few weeks ago showing that DoorDash uh, has opened up a couple other dark store formats beyond Dash Mart. One of them is called Dandelion Organic Grocery. And the other is called A-Mart Asian Grocery. And this is interesting because it's like, all right, yeah, Dash Mart has some advantages and that'll be the first on the convenience tab. They have pricing benefits. I mean, it's their platform. They can leverage it pretty well and pursue some disintermediation, I suppose. But this is interesting to run dark store brands that are tailored at niche groups. Um, I'm curious to see where that goes because that to me seems like a very smart strategy. Um, You know, Dash Mart, okay, that can mean whatever. But mm-hmm. if you're looking specifically for Asian groceries or organic groceries, um, well, that's probably going to stand out a bit more. But then at the same time, you know, he put out something today that caught my attention. And I'm just going to read this quote here. This is from a newsletter. And it said, after last week's Amazon tip on its same day delivery strategy, I investigated and discovered 13 cities that are offering or planning to offer a selection of at least 35,000 SKUs across non-perishable grocery, electronics, convenience, and other home essentials. Wow. Eventually, this is expected to reach 100,000 SKUs delivered in just one to two hours. Now, it's he's he and a few other people have been kind of leaking this the last few weeks, but it sounds like Amazon may be really gearing up to do a serious play and a very, very rapid last mile delivering fulfillment of convenience, groceries, and other um, essential items. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I I guess, wow, last mile delivery is about to get even more competitive seems to be the takeaway here. Um, Very much so. So how do you think that's going to play out? Do you think customers, when we emerge from the pandemic, assuming we're emerging from the pandemic (laughs) as vaccines are rolling out, um, I know there's this potential fourth wave coming and all these variants, but... Are our customers, do you think, going to go for this, or are they going to be ready to to get back out there and back in stores? You know, that's hard to say. I My gut feeling, and I mean, this isn't based on any data, but so I could be totally wrong here, but 
my feeling is, um, and I just noticed after my wife and I got our first shots, wow, it changes your mind because it's like, all right, hey, we've tried to be responsible. We've tried to do the right things here. All right, we're vaccinated. We've done our part. Like, I'm ready mm-hmm. to go back to a restaurant. I'm ready to go back to the mall. Um, I think a lot of people are going to feel that way. Now, I think there's a lot of pent up demand. I think the question is what happens after that subsides and that wave kind of goes like what normal do we fall back into? Um, I think a lot of people are going to look with a critical eye at some of the third party delivery platforms like the Uber Eats and the DoorDashes of the world. But I think a lot of people started the pandemic and before the pandemic were very rabid Amazon customers. Um, You know, the thing about Amazon is that company, for all its faults, nails the customer service side of the business. If they make mistakes, they fix them and they they just resolve things really well. Um, they absolutely be, do. And if, if you need something, you yeah. know, at least for me, you know, you know, I think to myself, oh, I shouldn't use Amazon, but you know, I need something. I know I can have it in, in a day, you know, or two days if I do Amazon Prime and it saves me a trip somewhere in the pandemic. I'm, I'm going to go great. ahead and do it. It's wonderful. And I'll give you an example. Like, I, I mean, I'm at the point right now, I've been going around for two days with Uber Eats because they're refusing to refund a $1.50 in optional sauces that uh, wow. I didn't get. And I'm like, hey, I just want my $1.50 back. I didn't get those. You know, it's not a big mm-hmm. deal. And maybe maybe I triggered some algorithm that checks for fraud because I've complained and asked for a lot of refunds. But here's the thing. They've given me a lot of reasons to complain and ask for refunds. I just follow up on them when they happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, it's a... Uh, And I think back to Amazon, you know, my mom, hopefully she's not listening to this, uh, (laughs) accidentally signed up for Amazon Prime on her Kindle one day and called me freaking out, not knowing what to do. And I'm like, just call, just email Amazon, like they'll fix it for you. Like 15 minutes later, I I get a text that says, oh my God, they refunded the money and gave me three months of Prime for free. I'm like, well, great. They got a customer for life now, but they know how to do customer service. So if those guys... Wow, if they if they really get into that, like, hey, we'll deliver anything you want in an hour or less uh, market, um, man, watch out if you're playing in that space because they're good. They're Absolutely. Good. There's so much to say for the the convenience of it when people are, are busy, even outside of the pandemic. And I think, you know, we've talked before, Frank, I think a lot of the habits that people have uh, built up during the pandemic are really going to be here to stay. And yeah, obviously, people are going to start going back out where and when they can. But I do think that a lot of the the drive toward delivery is here to stay. Yeah, I think so, too. I think you're definitely right. I wanted to mention another thing that I saw in the news uh, that Verk Enterprises uh, went ahead and divested its 32 convenience stores to multiple buyers in the industry. So I was I was sad to hear this news, you know, another great uh, family owned chain, uh, you know, that is, uh, you know, part of the the consolidation in the industry now. Uh, Leo Vercoloni, you know, one of the CEO of Verk Enterprises was one of the first people uh, I ever interviewed when I oh, first came yeah. on in 2009. Uh, you know, great company, uh, really active in the in the industry, and you know they they did a lot with uh, with employees. You know, they had a, a big push to make sure they had oppor- uh, opportunities for intellectually and developmentally disabled uh, individuals. Um, you know, they had they had very uh, various partnerships. Uh, you know, to to support employees. They've been a, a best places to work 
uh, multiple times, employer of the year. Uh, so it's it's sad to see a, a really great chain like that, uh, you know, part of the consolidation industry. Although, you know, I know Noria Energy bought, I think, was it 17 of the stores? They're a great chain. So I know, you know, those stores will be well taken care of in the industry. Um, but have you seen that news? What were your thoughts when uh, if when you saw that news come through? Yeah, that was interesting. I, I mean, you know, that it was Noria stood out to me. Um I'm mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of what they've done over the last couple of years. You know, when they kind of launched their rebranding, they launched their food service. Um, you know, I know one of the guys that is heavily involved in their food service, and he's just one of those. If if you ever meet someone who knows so much about food that it's in, it's intimidating and it makes you feel like you know nothing, <laughs> it's it's one of those folks. And uh, they just got a good team of people. Nori has been doing some great things. I stopped at some of their stores a couple of years ago. Um, when I did the pan mass challenge, uh, outside of Boston and did that bike ride. And, mm-hmm. uh, cause they're, they're all over that area, but I love their new store or new, I guess it's newish at this point, but their newish store at Boston Logan. Um, because where that store is now, like in the past, it didn't used to, you know, be anything terribly exceptional, but they just went all in on this thing. And the architecture is beautiful. The fuel canopy has this very modern design that just really pops from the road and stands out. And it's, um, it's an awesome store. Like they've got a great selection of fresh food. Uh, the Starbucks inside is super modern. Like that's a, that's actually one of the neater stores I've been to over the past few years. And so I have no doubt that Noria is going to do some good things with this, but Mm -hmm. I'm with you. It's always sad when you see a family owned chain exit. Um, at the end of the day, it's like, um, that's such a big part of the convenience store industry are these family owned chains. And it's, it's just sad whenever you see anyone exit, you know, a lot of those folks put a lot of heart and soul into their stores, and you can feel it as a customer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, today, uh, the bulk of our podcast is going to be devoted to talking about uh, labor management today and human resources. And Sea Store Decisions recently partnered on our 13th annual uh, HR benchmarking survey that we've done for the last 13 years in conjunction with uh, Mel Kleiman and Humetrics, uh, who runs the survey for us. So we poll convenience store retailers across the industry to find out, you know, what's keeping them up at night when it comes to labor management and some of the the biggest issues that that they're looking at today. Um, so our our survey polled convenience store retailers between January 4th. 2021 and March 1st, 2021, all about, again, HR practices, labor challenges, headwinds uh, that they see coming. Um, And so our results, our summary results of that survey have been published in our April issue. And we're going to we're going to talk a bit about that today and some of the the things that stood out to us. Again, this is in our April issue. If anyone wants to see the the full summary results, Um, You know, this year's survey asked about 36 questions. Uh, Many of the questions focused around the pandemic and and what retailers are kind of doing differently uh, now. And, you know, one of the things that stood out to me uh, in the survey was that recruiting topped the list of concerns for retailers this year. Um, you know, and I thought that was interesting because, you know, in the past it was uh, retention that was standing out or selection that was standing out. And, and this year it was recruiting. So 57% of those uh, polled cited recruiting as the most pressing issue. And then uh, again, selection was next at 47% and then retention at 45%. And, and it makes sense, you know, in a, in a pandemic with more people, uh, more women stepping away to stay home uh, with children disproportionately, of course, some men doing that as well with people who have health concerns, 
not wanting to be out working in the middle of a pandemic, you know, recruiting quality employees has been a challenge. Uh, Frank, did you have any thoughts on on that or other results in the survey? Yeah, this was a really interesting survey. And I mean, I would encourage everyone to take a look at this. Um, there's there's a lot to unpack here. And, you know, one, one comment had actually stood out to me immediately. Um, there's a section here right under that uh, that chart about the biggest industry challenges. And it says, in, in response to the question, how is the pandemic affecting your employment at your stores? Uh, there was a comment of providing people with monetary incentives to stay home and not work does not get this country working again. And I found that interesting because I've heard that come up a lot over the past year. And I got to be honest, like it makes me think back to like when I was waiting tables at a restaurant and how this would have impacted me had this happened then. And I got to be honest, like, I understand why people are doing that. Um, mm-hmm. If if those incentives are quite honestly lined up for a lot of people to do it and you can't really fault them for doing so, it's probably in their best self-interest. Um, I don't know how it is now, but when I think, I think you know, early on the um, unemployment stipend was significantly higher and I could True. definitely see why that was happening then, especially because COVID was definitely more full blown at that point. And uh, I think the case, you know, the rates were probably higher (laughs) than maybe Mm -hmm. they are now. But yeah, um, that's a challenge. But I I guess the thing that it also makes me think about and trying to think of how I would say this, but, you know, all right, if you're in that position where you're like, I'm just going to stay home because it's more advantageous to me to collect that than go to work. You're probably only going to really say that if you feel like there's no clear path for you to advance at your job or that it's not going to progress you along in a career or to a point that you want to be, you know, it's, it's hard to articulate, but it's like for someone who feels stuck, uh, they're not going to see the advantage of leaving that unemployment and then just going back to work if it's paying what it does. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I guess, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think the retailers that do focus really hard on showing employees like, hey, if this is something you like doing, you do have a future at our company. You can advance. You you can get into this position. We can do this. Um, places that have a clear path for advancement um, and encourage people to progress that down that route. Um, seems to me that that's, you know, they're going to, they're just going to be in a better position. Mm -hmm. As well as just appreciating employees. There's some chains that do Mm -hmm. this so well with recognition, with, uh, with awards, with, uh, you know, making sure that employees are appreciated for and recognized for what they're doing. And I think that, that that's another, a big strategy that we talk about a lot uh, for the industry. Um, Another thing I found interesting in the survey, um, and this, this is just sort of in the, in the summary article, you know, there are a lot of, companies, a handful of companies that I've read about that are offering incentives to their employees to get the vaccine in terms of paid time off if they've taken time to go, to go get it. Um, you know, because there, there's a lot of people today that are resistant to getting the vaccine for a variety of reasons. Um, and, you know, the, the fastest way we can get everybody back back working and back out in the world is if people actually uh, get vaccinated and we can reach some kind of basic herd immunity here. Um, so I think that was interesting that some of these companies are starting to offer incentives. Uh, and I wonder how, uh, how that's going to work. Yeah, I do too. It's, um, you know, it's kind of surprised to me how many people are resistant about getting the vaccine. I was like, you know, I was joking, um, early on, someone had asked me, uh, Hey, if, you know, are you going to get that? And I kind of looked at him like, like, seriously, you have to ask me this question. (laughs) I said, 
if I got a call and they said, hey, can you be here in 30 minutes to get it? I'd say, all right, well, grab my key. See ya. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, with, without a doubt, I've never been so excited to get a vaccine. I hate shots. I absolutely hate needles with a deep fundamental underlying passion. And um, didn't the alternative. <laughs> yeah. Compared to the alternative of getting COVID. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, it's it's interesting that uh, folks have to be convinced to get that today. But at the same time, I think it is a good look for retailers to support people. And, you know, it just shows that, you know, you're taking a stance that, hey, this is a good thing to be done. We're going to reward you for doing it. Um, I yeah, I, I think that's great. I think that's absolutely wonderful. And um, what else stood out in the survey for you? You know, it was interesting too, looking at that chart of most effective recruiting tools, because um, Mm -hmm. the article goes back to 2018 and then shows how it's changed looking at the top five. And in 2018, retailers were saying that in-store ads and outdoor signage were the most effective recruiting tools Uh, that bumped down to number five. And I think internet job boards actually had bumped from number two in 2018. Wasn't it down to number 10? Um, yeah, I found that so interesting too. Yeah, and employee referrals being the the big winner for 2021 and 2020 in terms of uh, what's bringing yeah. in people. You know, we we recently uh, ran an article that was talking about how you know people who hire. You know, if you, you know, employee referrals, if you have really good employees, chances are when they recommend someone, it's going to be a really good employee too. Um, so that, you know, that being a, a really great way to, to bring people in. Well, and you think just, you know, how many times in, I'm sure a lot of folks listening here, um, can think of times in their careers where they got a job because they knew someone, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, who, you know, makes a very big difference in people's careers and, there's no reason why you shouldn't be tapping into your current employees to find, you know, a friend who needs a job or, or, or something like, yeah, that, I mean, that's a, I just think it's really interesting that that stands out as number one and did last year too. Um, in fact, I think employee referrals was number three in 2018 and 2019, but then it jumped mm-hmm. up to number one the last two years. Um, it's interesting though, that social media, you know, it was number four in 2018, went up to number two in 2019, but then it's gone down to number three and back to number four again. Um, and interesting that Craigslist is up there in number two. Yeah, I was like, what that decade is this? Me. I know. <laughs> I thought too, that, that surprised me. I'm like, oh, is that making a, a resurgence here? I mean, I, I guess I check it occasionally for like old office equipment. I mean, I found a Herman Miller Air on there two years ago for 250 bucks. And I was like, wow, that's like a thousand dollars off the price. Um, yeah. Can, can I, can I come over in 15 minutes and get the, take that off your hands? But, um, other than that, yeah, I, I, Craigslist. Wow. I never even (laughs) think to, uh, go there for anything. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, maybe that's a trend in general that people are going to Craigslist for jobs right now. I don't know. Yeah. That stood out to me too. I did not expect to see Craigslist there. Mm -hmm. You know, another thing that stood out too, and this is something else I would like to dive into more. Um, it's interesting on the pre-employment screening tools. That was really interesting to see like what retailers are using uh, for applicants. I think um, mm-hmm. over 80% said, of course, you know, employment application, standardized interview questions is at over 50%. But criminal background check was just under 50% and drug testing was at 40%. Now, On the drug testing, I guess that struck me as interesting. And the reason why is you see more states right now that are legalizing marijuana. Uh, I think, you know, I'm in Iowa, Illinois legalized it. Um, Mm -hmm. um, I think there was another one recently. Oh, uh, didn't New York State recently, I think. They just just did, yes. So you're getting to a point where, you know, 
people now it doesn't say if they're testing for that here, but if they are testing for that in some states, they're testing for something that they can legally consume. And you're also at a point where I think I saw a Gallup poll that said 22 percent of 18 to 29 year olds regularly smoke marijuana. So not only do you have that going on, but this is an industry where most retailers that I've talked to privately will tell you they hope to God they can sell that at some point. Wouldn't that be a weird situation if you're selling it, but you're screening your employees for the use of it? Absolutely. And I, I wonder if dynamic. we're going to see that, if we're going to see that change, especially as acceptance of, of you know, legalizing marijuana on the federal level is expected to, to continue to increase and, and move in that direction. Um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder how they're doing that if it is, if drug testing includes in all places marijuana or if it's, if it's different substances or, or how that is working in the people who, who uh, noted it here. Yeah. It's just always, that's one thing that's always struck me as unduly limiting. It's like, if someone has a, if someone consumes that irresponsibly, you're probably going to notice without testing them. Um, it's going to be very apparent in their demeanor, how they carry themselves and honestly, how they, you'll, you'll see in like their first couple of days of work, I'm sure. But, um, I don't know. That just struck me as interesting. I'm like, what happens if you're selling it, but yet you're testing for it? I don't Mm -hmm. know. That struck me as interesting, but some other things that were on there, I saw social media checks, uh, just under 30% said they're screening social media. I'd, I'd actually be curious to know more about that. Um, personality testing was on there. That makes sense. Attitude mm-hmm. testing, skills testing. I saw a credit check was under 10%. I'd be curious who's doing credit checks. I, d- I don't know if that's for like store level associates or not, but yeah, that always struck me as odd. And I don't know if you'd be doing a, if you really want to rely on credit checks after the pandemic. Uh, some people might not have their stuff together depending on their how their employment went this past year. So <laughs> you might need to cut some folks a break and, yeah. you know, help them out. So I just found that interesting, but very interesting, very interesting to see what people are using. And also, are you actively recruiting from any of the fo- following populations? Um, you know, 12% said they're actively recruiting from those with criminal records. And I found that interesting because I have talked to some single store retailers that have made a point to hire people with very controversial backgrounds, and they found a huge success with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple exceptions, but generally speaking, they found uh, a very big success. I talked to one retailer who hires um, younger people, you know, in their late teens, early 20s that are coming out of um you know, jail sometimes and mm-hmm. need a job. And what they found is those people are very, very grateful for the opportunity to establish a employment record, uh, get two or three years with them and then move on to something bigger and better. As, as he put it, he's like, I tell him, I know you're not going to stay here forever. He goes, I want to set you up for something bigger and better. Give you that employment history, you know, give, give you some skills you can market. And he's like, it's just been exceptionally well. He's like, I almost hesitate to to talk about it because he goes, I don't know if I want my community to know that everyone working here <laughs> had a criminal record, but he goes, it's worked exceptionally well. And I just found that fascinating. And a lot of people need a second chance, you know, especially people who maybe made a mistake when they were, were younger and, you know, they're yeah, ready to turn yeah. their life around and they can do everything perfectly well and and be a really valuable member of the team. You know, and it was interesting too. 34% said they're actively recruiting from populations of people who have disabilities. Um, and that's, yeah, that's great too. I know, um, I think around here, I think Hy-Vee's done that at their grocery stores before. I've seen a lot of individuals that just, you know, you can tell they have a disability and I don't know, that always makes it feel good to see that. Um, you know, I have a, I have a family member that kind of falls under that category. So it always makes you feel good when you see that, um, you know, empl- 
companies are out there trying to make sure those folks are able to get a job too. Yeah. And I think conveniencers are working to be more inclusive in their hiring today. You know, I was recently speaking uh, on a podcast with Lisa Del Alba, the CEO of Square One Markets. You know, she talked about how, uh, you know, they have some some team members who have autism and they're, they're such, they can do everything. They're such a great part of the team. Um, you know, it, it helps, uh, you know, raise team morale that, you know, that people can, uh, can interact with them and, uh, you know, and see them doing such a, an awesome job in their role. You know, and it feels good, you know, that, that you can to make sure that they, that they have that role, that they have that opportunity that they may not otherwise have had. You know, I thought to the, um, some of the comments around the minimum wage was interesting and this, that's one of those topics I almost never talk about. Cause I just feel like the moment you talk about it, anything you say, 50% of the people get angry. The other 50% love what you say and you just don't win. Um, Let, let's share real quick what it, what it says before we delve into it. It, it mentions about 72% of survey takers, they're offering starting wages anywhere from one to $5 more than the required minimum wage in their area. And 70% uh, raised base pay in 2020 or early 2021. Yeah, that was that was interesting. And there was a comment I thought someone put in there. Um, I'm just looking at it right now, but I th- oh, I think it's up there. But basically, they were saying that um, we need to move away from the term "working poor." And I find, you know, I I mean, I agree a hundred percent. You know, I mean, my personal opinion on the whole minimum wage thing is I'm just like, I mean my state's minimum wage is just like abysmally low. Like you can't live on that. There's no way you could live on that at all uh, without requiring on, you know, the government to kick in some money somehow. And it's, um, it's at a certain point too, you kind of get what you pay for as an employer. Like, I mean, it's, I don't know. I understand why it's a controversial issue. I understand why it's complicated, but at the same time, um, you know, if convenience stores do want to be, seen as like an optimal place to go work. And let's be honest, there's a really great skill set you can get from working at a convenience store that can translate into anything you do. Um, and pay, pay is a big part of attracting people at the end of the day, just is what it is. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to see that a lot of retailers are coming out and saying things like, yeah, we need to get away from, you know, quote unquote, working poor. Um, I have seen a lot of retailers saying maybe higher minimum wage is not a bad thing. But with that said, I guess I do under to understand why some people are opposed to it. And also, you know, recruiting being such a huge thing right now that, that retailers are looking to do, you know, raising raising what they're paying those entry-level employees, you know, as a recruiting tool, uh, obviously a big thing. People also listed, you know, a number of other things that they're doing right now, um, you know, from exit interviews mm-hmm. to, um, you know, uh, informal employee recognition programs, uh, formalized employee recognition programs, uh performance reviews, uh, different uh, tools with onboarding, et cetera. Um, so, you know, it looks like uh, a lot of companies are are looking at ways to offer things like uh, bonuses, uh, transparency, open communication, uh, all these different things to try to help with retention uh, as well as recruiting. Yeah. And, and I saw um, on one of the pages that had just some of the actual comments that were submitted to, it was interesting to see some things around scheduling because, um, you know, inflexibility on scheduling, if there's one thing that'll burn out an employee quick, it's that, you know, where I got to go to a wedding, I've got this personal thing, I've got this coming on and then you can't get that time off or, I mean, inflexible scheduling is just an immediate way to take a person from enjoying their job and put them on the train of, I'm going to get out of here as soon as I can. Um, 
so it's it's interesting to see that there's you know some retailers that are definitely paying attention to that um yeah that's that's a huge thing and and to your point uh, earlier in the podcast, you know, when you were talking about opportunities for advancement at convenience stores, you know, when asked the question, why do great employees want to work for your organization? Opportunities for advancement was, uh, I think, the the second most uh, referenced point. Family friendly being another one, obviously important in the pandemic right now when people have needed, mm. you know, time off to care for for loved ones or or children. Uh, flexible schedules on there as well. Yeah, it was interesting to see that pay was very low on that. Was very low. Yeah, the lowest, or right, yeah, one of the lowest. Yeah, it was. It was barely above employee stock ownership program. So I mean, and it was like significantly lower than benefits. Um, yeah, that that's really interesting, and I'd be curious to see why that was. I I'd also be curious to see that same question asked to employees. You know, because all right, so why do great employees want to work for your organization? I'd be curious to see why do you want to work for this organization and see how that compares to what oh, people say internally, and then what you know maybe their employees are saying. But yeah, I found that really c- curious. I'd I'd like to know more about that. Um, and this was interesting too at the bottom where it's looking at uh, you know the prognosis for the year ahead, yes. looking at how do you um, how did 2020 go and then how do you feel about 2021? And I think you had pointed this out too. Looking at 2021, the respondents were way more optimistic about one their company, two the industry, and then uh, the U.S. economy. So it's like they they had a higher outlook for their company first the industry second, um, but the U.S. economy was significantly lower. And so I think it's interesting to note when we did the 2021, you know, this was pre-pandemic. So this was right, you know, pandemic really hit March 11th. So people responding in 2020 were responding between January 1st and March 1st, uh, that kind of area. So pre-pandemic, you know, 23.1% said they saw the economy as much better. Um, But right now in 2021, only 6.4% said the economy was much better. But when it came to our company and our industry, you know, when it came to our company, 17.7% said it was much better in 2020 compared to 16.7%. So not that big a drop, which surprised me. And then industry was up in 2020, 12.6% said much better. And in 2021, 14.9% said the industry was much better. So it's, you know, it seems like, uh, the sentiment for company and industry hasn't changed that much, whereas the one for the U.S. economy is is really looking down. I found that interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, looking at, you know, the much better column. So for 2021, uh, 16.7% said our company much better, right. 14.9% our industry much better, but then 6.4% the U.S. economy much better. Mm-hmm. And you see the same thing on, you know, much worse. You, you only As you had go two, down the line, yeah. Yeah, you had like 2.1% saying much worse for our company, only 4.3% much worse for our industry, but then 12.8% much worse for the U.S. economy. And it's, um, I don't know, there does seem to be kind of this feeling out there, at least anecdotally, I see it when I talk to people where it's like, all right, you might be doing well, you might be feeling good about your company's prospects, but there's this like nagging feeling that like something is like fundamentally broken or wrong with the U.S. economy. And it's... um. It can be it, it can be a little difficult to articulate succinctly, but it's uh, I do I do get that sense that a lot of people feel that way right now. Absolutely, 
And so we've we've gone over some of the the highlights, some of the things that stood out to us in the HR survey. But again, this is uh, available in our April issue. It's also available uh, for download on the homepage of cstoredecisions.com if you want to download a PDF. Um, and you can see the the full summary results of the survey for yourself. Yeah, guys, this is good stuff. I definitely recommend you take the time to read this or and digest it. This was really well done and uh there's a lot to take away here, especially from the, you know, the just individually submitted comments, those ones that were published. Mm -hmm.